How do you get architects to listen and pay attention to what you're saying? Or better yet, how do you educate them effectively on your products? This is the central topic that we're going to be covering on today's podcast. We've all been a part of those presentations where you about fall asleep because the presenter has lost your attention. What's even worse is if you're the one actually presenting and your audience is zoning out, watching the clock, or they're on their phones because you're just not delivering in a way that's engaging them. On today's episode, we bring on an expert in the architectural education space. They're going to share some really great strategies so that you can be more effective in your sales pitch and your presentations with architects and frankly, anybody in the building products arena. They're also going to give some horror stories of manufacturers who have done it the wrong way, as well as some tactics that they've seen work really well at gaining adoption with products. All right, with that, let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Smarter Building Materials Marketing Podcast, helping you find better ways to grow leads, sales, and outperform your competition. And now, here are your hosts, Zach Williams and Beth Popnikoloff. All right, welcome to Smarter Building Materials Marketing, where we believe your online presence should be your best salesperson. I am Zach Williams, alongside my co-host, Beth Popnikoloff. And today we have an awesome guest who's joining us. We talk a lot about architecture on this podcast and how to get architects to specify your products, how to get them to learn about your products and take notice. And today we have a guest who's also a fan of the show, hopefully, maybe until after the show. Long time listener, first time caller. (laughs) (laughs) We've got Michael Ehrman, who's a professor of architecture, who's literally written a book on architectural acoustics. He also runs a website that's specifically focused on educating architects to pass the the ARE, the Architects Registration Exam, is the series of exams architects uh, need to take to become licensed. So you're literally like the de facto, and you probably wouldn't agree to this, but you're the de facto educator on... I would definitely agree to that. You would agree to that. Okay. Hi! <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the leader in this space. No, it, Amber, it's called Amber Book. It's an animated video, technical and professional competence content for architects. So I'm really excited for Michael to come on the show because he comes in contact with hundreds of architecture students every year who come through his program, who, I mean, you meet them one-on-one, but you also go through the Amber book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in a given year, like I have 140 students right now in mm-hmm. my building systems class, it covers lighting and acoustics and thermal comfort and HVAC and that kind of thing. I call it the vegetables of architecture. And then I teach <laughs> a design studio. It's a uh, 20 people. And then with the kind of continuing ed professionals, I've taught more than a thousand people in person and another maybe 7,000 or so by uh, online video course. That's really cool. You didn't mention that Michael is in studio. Oh yeah, I forgot. He's our so, first in studio guest. Yes, you're welcome to the show. Thank you. Yes, we're going to be flying in all of our future guests via private jets sure. today, right? Sure, mm-hmm. we can do that. Mm-hmm. But you're right down the street, so. Yeah, I, I biked here. Did you really? I did. Wow. Probably the only person today in the world who biked to their podcast interview. <laughs> That's awesome. So Michael and I have been talking for a while about having on the show because you know, frankly, architecture is an area where a lot of manufacturers want to grow sales. But for a lot of people, they, have, they struggle with how do we educate effectively? How do we get people to notice? And so you came on and you said, hey, you know, just so you know, like I don't specialize in specification. And, and I think it's important to know, like yeah. you focus more on that. Like, how do I make that? What did you say? Well, I mean, I would just start with the idea that, you know, you kind of followed the theme that's been going on in this podcast since the beginning and say, okay, we want to add value to our clients and we're going to teach them. We're going to be thought leaders in the space. And so I've already established that I want to help people. Mm. And then that's where I can pick up. I don't have any expertise in sales. In fact, I'm quite bad at it. But in terms of teaching architects, that's really where, you know, kind of talking to architects and understanding how to talk to architects, which is not that different 
than talking to other people, mm -hmm. except for when it is. So, yeah. They do have a very, you've told me this, <laughs> except for when it is, right? <laughs> except for when it is. Okay. Didn't you say they're like the most critical people? On the face of you know, I, that was all told in confidence. We don't need to put it in there. No, the secret's out. Never now. mind. Keep you it up. Put, you can put it in there. I think people suspect it. No, I mean, we're a critical group, especially when it comes to the built environment. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, if we look out, you guys, it's a podcast, but if you looked out the window right now, you can see that there's buildings right on the sidewalk. And this is kind of a good, healthy urban tissue. And, you, and then as you go one block to the left, the buildings start to pull away from the sidewalk. There are parking lots in front of them. The quality of the streetscape as you go from here to there, as you go from the the place where the buildings are on the sidewalk to the one where the buildings are set back, it, it really deteriorates qu quite a bit when you put the parking lots in front of them. And those are the kind of things that architects are always looking at. Very mm -hmm. critical. But it's in, in a good irking, critical irking, in a good them the, way. irking them on the inside. Uh, irking them on the outside. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Judgmental and not quiet about it. These are my people. These are my people. <laughs> One thing that we talk to manufacturers about a lot is the habits that architects get in when they're in architecture school that the manufacturers they develop habits specifying is the manufacturers that they continue to specify in the real world when it really matters and they're able to actually pay the money and not just submit it in a school project. So that's part of the reason I'm excited to have you on, Michael, because you are an incredible resource about what architecture students care about and how to develop messages that really resonate with them, how to deliver value to them when they're students. And I think that says a lot about manufacturers as companies and their, the values of those companies, if they're willing to invest at the student level before you're able to give them any money. And I know that you've got some ideas to talk to us today about how to get in with the students or how to speak to them and really like how to educate architects in a more effective way. Is that a good way to say what we're going to talk about? Yeah, although I think most of what I want to talk about is, applies to practicing architects as well. I frankly, you know, I, I teach practicing architects and I teach, you know, architects in training and I don't talk to them really any differently, I don't think. Even better. Okay, yeah. So maybe we can start with, you know, understanding your audience a bit. Yeah. How would, if I'm a manufacturer, what recommendations would you give to any manufacturer who's trying to get in with either a student or trying to, you know, educate at some sort of firm to get them to listen? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've had all kinds of misguided people from the materials industry. I had a guy in, in lighting come and speak to my class. It was like a parody of a trope of like a bad after school special about like with a wise mentor teaching the students. And he came in and he just started using cliches it's not about the dog in the fight it's about the fight and the dog like the ridiculous like it just i'm looking around like is this for real and he just he didn't talk about his product and he didn't talk about the industry i think he thought he had some wisdom to share about what he had learned in his life but there was no there was no, no nothing how did you end that you're like well thank I, you I, you know i was younger in my career but if it had to happen now i, I think i would have stepped in and be like mm. actually we, you know that that's all the time we have <laughs> and kind of like, but i mean I, you know I, i've had I, you know i've had you play the music <laughs> oh i had someone from an elevator company come in and pitch the architecture students like they were architects about ready to specify for a big job and he was explaining why his product was way better than the competitor's product and and the students probably three quarters and don't even know what specifications are at this point and he's making comparisons and they won't specify anything for 10 years and and so instead of kind of explaining the difference between you know traction elevators and hydraulic elevators or something that would give them value he was doing the hard sell and, and it, you gotta know your audience what about larger firms because i was talking to you before we started the podcast interview and talking about how do i position my manufacturing business correctly. And you're like, oh, well, education. I hadn't thought about it from that perspective. I thought like, oh, education, like I need to get my credits. Right. 
And you were saying that it's the complete opposite, wrong way to think about it. No, I think the credits are an important thing. So there, there's in a typical firm, there's two different groups that you're talking to. If you say you're doing, let's just go forward, assuming what's going to be a lunch and learn, right? Okay. So if you're doing a lunch and learn, there are two different groups. One group is folks who have their license and they need the continuing education credits and are happy to get them. And the other group are emerging professionals and they're yet licensed and they can't use the continuing mm -hmm. education credits, but they need access to content that they're going to need for their licensure exam. Interesting. Now, generally, I don't know of any examples, maybe some of your audience can write in with examples and that could be a future podcast topic. But generally, the second group is not really addressed. I mean, it's not that they're not addressed. Frankly, they're all addressed if you bring lunch. But so, you know, the lunch is probably the key of the lunch and learn. But the second group, they're a little bit harder to reach, but certainly they could be. There's no reason why a manufacturer couldn't be contributing to the value that they get by focusing on their licensure exam that they're going to be taking in some cases soon and in some cases in a couple of years. I think those examples that you gave are exactly what happens with manufacturers when they get in front of architects in general or can happen. It's not fair to say every single person, but they're like, this is it. This is my moment. Hard sell, hard sell, hard sell. Or like, I'm going to appeal to you with my 50 years of business wisdom instead of exactly like you're saying, understanding your audience and just giving them what they need and trusting that the return is going to be you've built a relationship and they're going to come back to you versus just trying to capitalize on the little time that you have. I really like that. I think that was a great example. If I can deviate from the outline you've got a bit, I'd be really curious to know, Michael, like you actually go and present and talk to the Genslers of the world, right? Like what are some of the challenges that you see that are happening in firms that maybe manufacturers aren't aware of that they need to be? That's a fantastic question. I think probably they are aware of how busy everybody is, you know, so there's that. I think you've had guests before that have talked about how the client is now a big part of the specification process. Now the manufacturer has more people that they need to get in front of, although maybe more opportunities as well. I don't know. You know, I, I, because I'm primarily teaching, although I do maintain a small practice, I'm primarily teaching. I'm not somebody who knows a lot about that. And in fact, you know, I, I have my own building material that I've invented and, and I'm you know looking for someone to kind of pick up that manufacturing mantle for it. And, and I haven't figured out how to get that stuff in front of a specifying world. So frankly, I'm, I'm not sure I know. Specification is its own beast, but you know, if you can get in before the specification, which is education, like that's a yeah. really interesting way of looking at it. And so one thing I'd be curious to get your input on is like, as an educator of architects, what are you like, who do you see from the manufacturing side that's doing a good job at getting in front of whether it's an architecture student or somebody in a firm that's doing a good job at positioning education, as you mentioned earlier, like that thought leader, like who's doing it well? Yeah, I mean, Hayfalo does it well. I think that train in the mechanical equipment space has definitely, you know, they show up at the acoustics conferences, for instance, and, and they have people there who are trying to learn uh, Armstrong at those conferences as well. Yeah, those would be three that I would what are they doing from a presentation standpoint? Like, what are they doing that's getting through? Oh, wow. I mean, that's a good question. My sample size is relatively small. But in the case of, for instance, Train, they're sending technical experts to the technical conferences to learn. Mm. And as somebody who does sometimes specify or kind of help to specify mechanical equipment as an acoustician, architectural acoustician, I will start with someone like Train because I know that they have a commitment to learning about this stuff. And many in the mechanical space, frankly, don't. 
And so to me, that's pretty exciting. I wonder if that's like a strategic play on their part. Like, granted, they probably know oh, I'm they, sure it is. They, they know they have to be educated, but it's like, we want architects to know that we're also educated so that they sure. trust us, you know? I think that's probably true. And imagine the conversations they get to have in those settings that they wouldn't get to have at a lunch and learn. It's a much more organic environment. It's a really great idea. Yeah, every time I go to one of those, I'm like, ah, it's not going to be worth it. And every time I leave, I'm like, man, how come I'm not going to all these? Like, you know, <laughs> you know it'd be fun to like, take, you know, everyone you're invited to just go like that would be like for a year. Like that would be the, you know, the year of living in hotels and just mm -hmm. kind of going to every conference of every kind. That'd be kind of a, a fun uh, sabbatical. That would be a fun. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Good road trip. Yeah. Michael, one thing I've heard you say is that architects are special, which can sound funny. But can you explain to us a little bit of what you mean by that? Sure. And of course, it's, it's a little bit of hyperbole and I'm, I'm speaking in aggregate, uh, not about individual people. But in general, I think there are certainly lots of people within the incredible team of, of people who are responsible for getting a building built. But on average, I think the architects are more likely to be driven by the building than, say, firm profitability or career advancement or demonstrating innovation or anything like that. I mean, the architects are generally trusted to do the right thing for the building. You know, they're pilloried for that, too. They're, they're criticized for not meeting budget, and they're criticized for being unresponsive to the client's interests, and they're criticized for being kind of unrealistic about certain things. But they're generally not criticized for being crooks, and they're generally not criticized for being money-driven, and they're generally not criticized for being self-interested. They're generally trusted, and the reason they're trusted is because the, I don't know if it's the kind of people who go into architecture or if it's the way we're, we're teaching them, but generally the, the building is kind of, that's your goal. And, and so, and there's all kinds of times where the interest of the client is not necessarily the interest of the building. The building we're in right now used to be a bank mm -hmm. and it's now an office. So if it was just about being, you know, it was a bank for 25 years and it's been something else for the next to, to almost 150 years. Mm -hmm. So if we're just about it being a bank and working only as a bank and not about kind of the spatial or, or, or formal, and by formal I mean the shape of the building, or you know materiality or color, or all the kind of things that are important to the architecture, if we're not true to that, then I'm, I just don't see what else there is. And, and generally architects, they don't make as much money as people think. They actually make very little money relative to other professionals in the building trades and consultants or contractors. And, or tradesmen even, and they have less job security than most of them, and they have longer hours than most of them. But most of them like their jobs. And so it's, it's a fantastic job with a lot of intrinsic rewards and you know a little bit more limited in extrinsic rewards. And so that makes it kind of a, an unusual person relative to many other groups that are involved in getting buildings done. And you know, one thing, and not to get off topic here, but one thing I remember you saying, we we're talking about the Oscars. Uh-huh. And you're like, they're the only group of people. Oh, yeah, we're like, <laughs> we're like, uh, we're worse than Hollywood at giving ourselves awards. We're always giving ourselves awards. We're always giving ourselves. Never have so many been so famous to so few. Okay, so Michael, what I like about what you just said is we're always talking about buyer personas, right? Like in marketing, everybody's concerned about getting out the buyer persona. What's the average gender, average time and career, average job title, average size of company, but you're really getting to kind of the core of who they are as human beings, which is actually what good messaging appeals to. It's not you're an architect, you're a builder, but it's you're a human and this is what makes you who you are. And that's the level that we want to speak to you on. So can you tell us how you would recommend having some type of narrative or what you're calling an evolutionary biology that would appeal to that core of this 
unique person of who architects are. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess it probably is everybody. I mean, we evolved to remember things with narrative. So again, I can't speak too much to how to market to architects, but in terms of how to teach anybody, we just remember things better when there's narrative, right? So, you know, in our, our ancestors, there was like a path and it split in two and the last four people who went left didn't return. So they told some story about how there's a monster that lives on the path on the left, but in reality, it's probably a neighboring tribe that just bludgeons you to death. But this is the way we evolved. And so narrative, when you're learning about something, if you want ownership of content and you want long-term recall, a story is a really good way to do it. And in general, most of the experts say you should start with a story, not end with one. So that's why I started with the story about the guy who was, you know, the bad after school special mm -hmm. is because it's always better to start with a story. Michael, I think one of the points that we are prepping for, I think it's interesting that you bring up is you say Zoom is for losers. And we are actually on Zoom right now. Yeah. So are we in that collective group no, of no, losers? No, <laughs> no, Zoom's not for losers. Zoom's not for losers for a one-on-one -on -one meeting or even for a bigger meeting. I can't speak to that. But from an educational point of view, so if you're in front of a group, and the, probably the most important thing from a kind of learning science point of view, if you're in front of a group, it's much more important. What you ask the group to do is much more important than what you tell the group to know. Interesting. I'm going to say that again. So what you ask the group to do is more important than what you tell the group they should know. So instead of kind of popping up a PowerPoint and starting, you know, with a bunch of text and, and starting to talk about, you know, your product or something like that, as people are starting to, you know, nod off because of the heavy lunch they just had, if you have a waterproofing system and it's peel and stick and you want to show why it's better than a fluid applied, you know, get a couple of pieces of wood in there and let people apply the peel and stick and let people mm. apply the fluid applied. Or if you're a, you know, a stain maker and you want to compare to paints, let them do that. If you sell lock hardware, let them take apart some lock hardware. We all know this. I mean, you know, this is why I, I titled these notes, nine things you already know to do when teaching architects. These are things, you know, you know, mm. that you've been to classes where they had you take part, they had you, it was interactive and, and people love interactive things. But then when they go to teach someone, they kind of forget that, I think. And, mm -hmm. and they, they say, okay, it's, I need to get through this much. And they'll yeah. say, they'll say, oh, well, time's running out. So I need to get through this much as if there was a certain amount they had to get through. And, you know, once they get to the end like of it, like they're going to remember all of those bullet points. Right. I mean, it's, yeah. it's way, you know, I have my title, I have nine things you should know. If we could get through six of them and you use three, that's way better than if we get through nine of them and you use one, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah. it's, it's much more about what the student or the participant will take with them in terms of ownership than what you can actually tell them. And to that end, you know, if your product is concrete formwork that's reusable, get a bunch of t-shirts that are gray for the concrete and a bunch that are yellow oversized t-shirts that are the formwork and have the students stand up. You know, if you can't pour concrete in their conference room, you can surely have them stand up and say, okay, you guys are the concrete. Now you guys are the formwork and you guys line up here and the concrete gets poured in between here. And there are almost always ways to take what you're doing and make it more interactive. And once you make it remote as well, which seems like it's more efficient and efficiency is for losers too. Education is all about redundancy. It's not about efficiency. So the idea that like, oh, I can Preach. talk to, <laughs> <laughs> well, I can talk to all three offices in this mm -hmm. firm if we just do as, you know, if, mm -hmm. if I'm talking in person to one group and then by teleconference to two mm -hmm. more. And so what winds up happening is you wind up talking to the screen. Mm -hmm. And you wind up shouting to the little device in the middle of the table that has the conference call and it stops, you know, you wind up kind of lining everyone up and worrying about whether or not they're on the camera. And this is a performance. I mean, this stuff, the content has always been in the library for hundreds of years. And for the last 10 years, it's been on your phone. So it can't be about the content. It has to be about something more than the content. And if it's about something more than the content, 
then you need to be able to engage people by looking at them, by talking to them when they're coming in the room beforehand, by laughing with them, by, by, being, by a human, being a human being. By being a human being, you're going to be much more effective. You're going to be much more uh -huh. effective educator. Yeah, that's great. You know, if I can put you on the spot, you know, just to kind of wrap things up, if that's okay with sure. you. So you've listened to a good majority of our podcasts. I just said all of them. All of them. So just what, about. what do you think is the worst point we've made to date? Like, where do you think we've oh, really, what do you think we've really missed oh, it? I'm really glad you're asking that question. Like, I want yes. to ask, like, how are we so smart? But I really need to ask you, like, what, where have we missed like, it? Like, where are we just yeah. totally screwing this up? And you can, call, awesome. you can call Beth out. Don't call me out. Okay. But like, you can totally call I, Beth out. I can out. take it. I'm tougher than Zach. <laughs> No, I mean, so to your audience, I would say your most knowledgeable person is not necessarily your best teacher. So no one ever had a bad class with a good teacher. And frankly, every profession has its own lingo that separates those who are on the in crowd from those who are in the out crowd. And so there is a lingo for architects. Mm. And so if you have architects teaching architects, if you can hire an architect to teach architect, likely you may have someone with an architecture degree they'll be able to use a language that's very apparent. If I talked about personas, mm -hmm. I would sound like an ass because I'm not. That's it not true. I'm not using it. No, it's true. I'm not, I don't use it in the right way. I, you know, mm -hmm. I, if I talk about API calls, I don't know what an API call is. I just say it. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I well, know say I'm, it confidently I, and people I will say, believe you. I, say, <laughs> I talk about API calls and I can tell that I don't really know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. And I can tell the person I'm talking to doesn't know what I'm talking about. And in the same way, like architects are creative people, but they never use the word creative. Mm. Never. It's like nails on a chalkboard to us. Interesting. And so there are 10,000 rules like that, that any architect would know. Anyone without an architecture degree would not know. And so if you can kind of take your best teacher who might not be your most knowledgeable person, and especially if they have an architecture background and get them in front of the architects, I think that's a win for them. So to wrap things up, is there anything that you think would be valuable for our audience to know about, gosh, education? from an architecture standpoint or anything that you haven't touched on you think would be valuable if for there, the audience to know about? If there's one thing you can do that it may not be the most important thing. Mm -hmm. The most important thing is it's what you tell them to do, not what you tell them to know. But the easiest thing to do right now, like today, mm -hmm. is take all of the words off of your PowerPoint slides. Mm. People don't hate PowerPoint. They hate text on PowerPoint. And so leave the images on and put just the minimum amount of words that you need to have on there to remind you what you're going to say. But if you put up a PowerPoint slide and you're reading to the architects, architects are visual people. Everyone's a visual person. No one ever said, can you take that graph and put it back in a table form? I just want to see a table with a bunch of numbers. Like people are visual except, people. Except for accountants. Even them. They, they still, I mean, now they, but, you know, they'll look at a dashboard. Accountants yeah, now look at a dashboard. And so the idea that we're going to read text to people and that's somehow going to engage them and make them better at anything, you know from your own experience listening to people reading text, you hate it. So why would anyone do it? You know, what I, I love about this point, Michael, is the fact that you've built a business around this concept as well. Like what our listeners don't know and you, you're not willing to say is that there's a lot of education platforms out there. And this is not a plug to anybody listening because, frankly, nobody listening could potentially buy it because they're not. probably true. Yeah, but, <laughs> different audience. But, um, different audience. But Michael's educational platform is focused on making sure architects pass the exam. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you have a higher pass rate than anybody else. And it's based around this methodology that you've created. And so I think, frankly, you mentioned earlier that you're not good at selling. I would probably argue that you're very good at selling because selling starts with understanding your audience and what matters to them in your pain points. And if their pain points are really, how do I pass that exam? How do I stay current? Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's incredibly valuable. Like if you start with value instead of starting to push the sale, 
Like you're going to win. Maybe I'm tooting your own horn, but I, I think that that's, that's a valuable point. Absolutely. Thank you. Well, awesome. So if someone wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to connect? Oh man, if they want to see kind of what I do, they could probably go to YouTube and type in Amber Book, mm -hmm. Amber Book, and they could watch some of my videos. Or if they want to get in touch with me, they can email me at merman. So it's M-E-R-M-A-N-N at vt.edu. So it's like Michael Ehrman with two N's on the end at vt is in virginia tech.edu yeah we'll include that in the show notes as well okay, but great. but awesome thank you so much for coming on the show this well, has been great thank you god we are just as much a fan of you ah all right it's a mutual, Absolutely. mutual admiration society mm -hmm. that's true awesome well if you want more great content like this go to venvio.com slash podcast until next time i'm zach williams alongside beth popnikolov thanks everybody You've been listening to Smarter Building Materials Marketing with Zach Williams and Beth Popnikola. To get the resources mentioned in this podcast, visit venvio.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening.